0: Welcome to Raising Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Barden, and today our guest is Sanjeev Shetty, who is the co-founder of HelloGuard Robotics. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Amber. Thanks for having me.
0: So let's start off with telling our audience who you are, what's your background, how did you come to be a co-founder of HelloGuard?
1: I spent 20 years in the telecom industry, AOL, Time Warner, and Spectrum. And after exiting Spectrum, I wanted to get into healthcare because I decided that I wanted to do something completely different than telecom. And I got into the senior living space working for a provider and looking at various solutions such as aging in place for the state of Maryland. I was looking at all kinds of solutions related to falls, to safety, to engagement. After doing that for two years, I joined a an engagement platform company, and uh, got to do that for two years, had a lot of fun, and then decided that I wanted to get into the integration space. So I ran an integration platform as a a service company, did that for two years, and then found my calling with robotics. I was always uh, really passionate about it. I was passionate about AI, and I saw the need for it and started HelloGuard with my partner.
0: And when did you start the company?
1: About a year and a half ago is when we started, but we really didn't start to take off until you know later this year.
0: I know that there are a lot of different types of robotics companies out there. It's definitely going to be something we're going to see more and more of in the future. So tell me more specifically about HelloGuard Robotics and what type of robots you have.
1: We actually consider ourselves a workforce automation company, and robots just happen to be in our toolkit. You're right, Amber. There's a lot of robotics companies out there. A lot of them are one-trick ponies, and others are trying to white label the robots that are out there. The way I see ourselves is we sort of start with the problem statement, and then we apply robotics to it. So you know, the problem statement could be someone is down on the custodial staff and don't really have a solution for it. So we find them the best and great solution to solve for that problem, and then the same thing goes for healthcare. We're building out a generative AI platform to solve for all the healthcare challenges that exist today in the market, such as outdated nurse call systems, such as not having 24 by 7 nurse call monitoring, and then the list goes on and on, right? You look at a nurse's day, she's spending 20 to 30% of her day doing note-taking and things that are very mundane and tedious in nature. So we're actually building out a platform called vCare Companion to solve for that problem. And then there's a whole slew of other solutions we're building behind that to address some of the issues that the hospitality industry is facing as well. I really consider ourselves more of a workforce automation solution company that just happens to be selling robots.
0: Can you elaborate more on the nurse call solution? That's something that's really interesting to me because a lot of our clients are trying to find something more modern for that type of system.
1: What we're building is really a digital twin. When you think about the nurse call system as it stands today, it's it's really what I call a dinosaur. It hasn't changed much in the last probably couple of decades, I, I should say. And there's a lot of difficulty and challenges that come with it. it. It's a very simple technology, but doesn't do a whole lot more than just being able to call a nurse. What we're looking at is sort of a more comprehensive platform that can address all of the challenges that exist in a acute care setting or post-acute care setting such as being a nurse's aid, providing that continuous digital monitoring, being able to detect a fall, being able to differentiate between what's truly an emergency and what's not. And then the list is really long, it just goes on and on. But the way we're building it is it's from the ground up. We're sort of working with partners that actually come up with the challenges and then we're building generative AI algorithms to solve for it. A lot of the solutions out there just kind of throw stuff at the wall and see if it sticks, but we're actually taking a very different approach to building out platform. And I think it's going to be truly transformational when uh, we announce this because it's from the provider's perspective. And we have someone that's running it that actually came from memory care and senior living, has written several white papers on digital twins. So I'm even more excited to have that person run that company for me.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you. I was helping one of our clients pick a nurse call system for their new construction building. And she was really frustrated because from her point of view, you know, she said, we're building this brand new building. It's modern, it's sleek looking, and we're putting in technology that looks like it's from like 1960s with like the yellow pendants and the things on the wall. And so definitely that industry is really overdue for some major change. And there is some small innovations happening in terms of some of the software and some of the tracking, but I think a lot of the hardware and a lot of the general concept of what those systems are has really not changed at all in years and years. Other hurdles or barriers around the regulatory or compliance side of that?
1: I think there's always the HIPAA question, right, that's on everyone's mind. And there's obviously certifications that need to be had. And so I think we're taking all of that into consideration. And, you know, Amber, the truth is no one can do this alone, right? So we have partnered with the right folks who are a lot smarter than I am, who are bringing all the pieces together. And then the vCare companion is going to bring the AI layer on top of all these pieces that already exist in the market and bring a very cohesive, comprehensive solution that solves so all the little nuances that are out there and uh, makes it really affordable. If you look at it today, there's all kinds of solutions out there, but they're really unaffordable. There's not a lot of margin out there. People are surviving by the skin of their teeth, especially post-COVID. Reimbursements don't look the same anymore, as you know, right? There really, really is. Everyone's moving to value-based care. Everyone's looking at cutting operational costs. So we're finding creative ways for operators, providers to adopt this technology, make it affordable, and yet show ROI. So that's really what Care is all about.
0: One of our clients who is a bigger client, they have 35 communities. So they have about 3,000 employees in senior living. I met with their head of HR and he said something to me that I always think about. He said, there's 10% of our open positions that I will never fill. It's just not possible. The workforce is not there, and they're they're out in California primarily, so that, you know even more difficulty with labor shortages. And so, he said robotics is going to be the answer to this. So, can you walk me through in a future environment what would a senior living community look like with your robots in place? Which components would robotics be doing? Can you kind of walk me through a vision of what that would look like?
1: So, I mean, if you sort of distill uh, the whole senior living industry, you can sort of break it into three buckets, Amber. You sort of have your day-to-day operations, you know, like your housekeeping, your grounds and all the stuff that keeps the community running, right? I call it the operations bucket. And then you got your dining bucket. And usually that's like the number two thing on your P&L for any senior living community. And then you got the healthcare bucket, right? Especially as you go into assisted living and skilled nursing. And in each of those buckets, we have a solution. So let's just take operations, for instance. Everyone we speak to talks about the strain on the custodial staff. No one wants to go and do carpets for 600,000 square feet of space. No one wants to go to the third floor and do it. They'd rather do more meaningful things like maybe disinfecting medical devices or doing laundry or something more meaningful like collecting data. So we actually just launched our first senior living community at Beacon Hill in Grand Rapids, Michigan this week. And Jeff, uh, who's the CEO there, I mean, we have this great testimonial from him where he was like, listen, we know it takes 20 minutes for our custodian to clean a thousand square feet of carpet. This robot does like 28,000 square feet an hour. And by the way, it works seven days a week and we don't have to pay overtime and it never calls in sick. My point is that the robots, you just take the operation space. It's not there to replace human labor, but it's there to reduce the strain, fill jobs that are hard to find. And it's really there to make make the staff really upskill them rather than having them vacuum carpets and scrub floors you're now allowing them to sort of manage these bots and collect data and see how efficient they are and map the floors. And it's more meaningful to the staff. You increase your staff retention. You don't need to go hire staff. The ROI is immediate. So that's the operations piece. Let's switch gears and go to the delivery piece. Same thing goes for delivery. If you just look at sort of the dining setting, no one wants to work the morning shift. No one wants to bust tables anymore. People are moving around. It's a revolving door in the dining space. Our robots are very unique in the Sense we have automatic door openers; they don't spill food. So we did a lot of due diligence and research before we pitched our wagon with manufacturers. But beyond that, we've also developed custom apps and gadgets that actually connect to the robot, so it makes it more efficient. Like you know, flick buttons and apps. We've integrated with POS systems. You really get a full service solution with our delivery robots. We were one of the first ones actually, Amber, to even integrate with the top three elevator companies. And if if you talk to a lot of people, elevators. Vader integration is sort of key, right? Because if the robots aren't going up and down floors, then it's really not as effective. So, you know, that's on the delivery side. And by the way, we have also introduced outdoor delivery robots that actually work truly really autonomously, so no one has to drive them. So for example, if you're in a setting, and let's say you're in a cottage, and you want something delivered late at night, or some package delivered, we can deliver packages, you know, up to two miles away. So that talks to sort of the delivery aspect. And then of course, we talked about vCare and how our robots are are functioning in the v-care setting, providing that 24 by 7 monitoring, providing that peace of mind at night when no nurse is around, especially in independent living. When there's an emergency call, there's just a security guard. What do you do then? <laughs> How do you bring a nurse in? We kind of address those three buckets. We've kind of found the best to breed solutions for each of those areas.
0: I think that there's a huge opportunity. Those are all needs that our clients are telling us that they have to be fulfilled through these types of solutions. But I'm curious, can you talk a little bit about what are some of the current barriers to some of these solutions? So for example, I've heard with the cleaning robots, if they can get stuck in a corner sometimes and no one's there to get them out. I've heard concerns from our clients about some of the lawn care robots with are they going to run over someone's cat or something like that? So what are some of the barriers and what are you doing to address those?
1: Yeah, those are great questions, Amber. And we've spent the last three months overcoming all of those barriers. In fact, a lot of our larger clients have tried just about every cleaning robot out there and they came back to us saying, we want to go with your solution just for that reason, because we made it a point to find the best of breed solutions and our robot actually has a 3D LiDAR. What that means is that it just is smarter. It can see dimensions in 3D. So if those barriers doesn't get lost, it works in tighter spaces. It's got NVIDIA AI chip. So it's more intelligent, you can remotely troubleshoot it. In fact, 85% of the issues can be remotely dealt with, you know, no one has to be constantly coming on site. Uh, We take support and maintenance really, really seriously. So a lot of our technicians not just go on site and install it, but they want to make sure that you're realizing your ROI from day one. And you'll see that with a lot of our clients and their testimonials is they really like coming to us because of that. I can't tell you the number of times I've had clients come to me and say, hey, Sanjeev, you know, someone just dropped off this robot and literally I haven't heard from them again. Like buying a car without a key, right? That doesn't work. So we have gone sort of the extra mile to make sure that every client of ours gets a care package, gets the white glove service, and really sees us as that outsourced robotics as a service partner rather than just someone who dumps a robot on them.
0: Yeah, that's a really great point. Can you talk a little bit more about how you do provide that day-to-day support of these types of devices?
1: This is still evolving, Amber, but sort of my vision for support is proactive support. The best support you can find is when no one has to call you, right? (laughs) When the phone's never ringing. I mean, of course, you want to answer the phone and, and help people out. But the best customer service is when your phone never rings. And the way we're going to do that is we're building a command center. So we can tell you, Amber, when your robot goes down before you even call us. That's where we want to get to. We're not quite there yet, but, you know, we're looking for partners who can sort of come along with us on this journey and help launch robots in senior living the next coming years, I think there's going to be unprecedented growth. We're already seeing it in the robotic space. We really need partners who share our vision, who can support us, who know the industry. Senior living is not the only industry we're in. We're, we're in hospitality and healthcare as well. We really need partners such as yourself to help us along this journey.
0: Speaking of support, what kind of infrastructure or IT setup do communities need to have in order to use the robots effectively?
1: Yeah, that's an, uh, another great question, Amber. You know, if you think of sort of technology as a pyramid, where the bottom of the pyramid is sort of your basic infrastructure, like Wi-Fi and wires. And as you go up that pyramid, you know, you have sort of your nurse call systems, EHR systems. And then at the very top, you have things like AI and robotics. But everyone wants to get to the top without investing in the bottom. One thing we realize is that we have a very exhaustive, thorough checklist that goes out before any deployment. We want to make sure that your Wi-Fi is not just good, but it's ubiquitous and it's strong everywhere. So we do things like, you know, we kind of had to do this heat maps and things of that nature, but to make sure that there's good continuous Wi-Fi throughout the space where the robots are functioning that's real key. And then if you're doing things like elevator integration, you know, there's another checklist against that because we've got to work with elevator companies. And a lot of these companies are, <laughs> they're not cheap. We're dealing with labor unions. Depends on the setup and the configuration of what you're trying to do. For example, if you're in a kitchen setting, right, uh, you may have doors that open and shut. You may need to have the robots communicate with those doors through uh, what we call ADOs. So it really depends on the setting, the type of use case you're dealing with. But generally, I would say having good Wi-Fi is sort of key. The other important ingredient is having a champion there. you lead on the site, boots on the ground, be our main point of contact.
0: I agree so much with everything you just said. It's something I talk about all the time. I actually talk about the technology pyramid with the infrastructure at the bottom and then building up to get to innovation. So I'm just curious, do your robotics rely on Wi-Fi or do they have their own network or how does that work?
1: Well, you have two options. Either you go the Wi-Fi route or you can go the LTE route. We, we can put a SIM card in and then you tap into the cellular network. It depends on how strong your Wi-Fi is. We have customers in very, very remote areas in New Mexico, for instance, where it's a sprawling community and they don't have Wi-Fi everywhere. I mean, they put repeaters and try to enhance the Wi-Fi. But in some areas, we do need to put in that SIM card and provide LTE cellular service as well. So it just depends. Not every customer is the same. And that's the nice thing about us is either we can come out and do the heat map or get someone out to do a heat map.
0: Yeah, And the Wi-Fi crisis is something I talk about a lot as well, is that so many communities are not prepared because the use case for Wi-Fi design is not what it is today when Wi-Fi was usually installed a few years ago. And our, our rule of thumb estimate is $2 a square foot to upgrade your Wi-Fi to wall-to-wall. So you know it's something a lot of communities have to figure out. How are they going to get there and pay for that in the next few years?
1: It is positive to see. I was reading a report recently from McKnight's about how IT budgets are being increased to like 10%, the overall budget from like 2 to 5%. Almost half of the communities are putting in money for robotics next year. So that's really a breath of fresh air for me being in the robotics and AI business. We're really looking forward to serving these communities next year.
0: Is there anything that you haven't shared yet that you think our listeners should know about what's coming in the future or pieces of advice you would like to offer?
1: When it comes to robotics, you kind of want to walk before you run because, you know, you have a lot of communities that want to do it all. And I would say start small and then grow and learn from those lessons. Obviously, I want to sell every one of my 20 plus robots to everyone. But, you know, I also I'm a realist and want to make sure that people are successful uh, when they deploy our solutions. So I would say start with a very simple use case. Simplest use case is the housekeeping and the cleaning. Everyone needs to clean their carpets and their floors, right? Everyone has a need. And the ROI is very simple. Our robots do about 80% of our custodial staff's duties when it comes to cleaning. And we have a very simple ROI calculator. Maybe start there and then look at delivery, you know, both indoors and outdoors. And then start looking at things like our virtual care companion for healthcare. Maybe that's sort of the steps you can take if you start want to start small. That would be my advice for people who want to consider robotics. Start with a simple use case prove out the ROI. Because, you know, these robots aren't cheap. Average cleaning robot is anywhere between 30 And 40 grand, and you know, you've got the service package that comes with it too. So these are not items, you're not buying a computer here. Uh, Generally, people have to see an ROI and we help them realize the ROI. Not only do we build that ROI calculator, but then we ensure that they see it. So as part of our Hello Guard care package, we do outbound calls, we make sure they're seeing the ROI, they're using it. We show them how to look at reporting and analytics so they're really, really getting the best use out of it. And we make it affordable. So let's say you're one of those communities that don't want to put out 40 grant for a robot, right? We can look at leasing options. We have a great financing company that can look at uh, very low cost leasing options, and you can do a robotics as a service or machine as a service model, right? So there's so many different ways to adopt robotics without having to break the bank, so to speak.
0: That's really interesting. I haven't heard of it approached from that perspective as a service. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that for our listeners. Sanjeev, this has been such an interesting episode. I definitely learned a lot. We have had other robotics companies come on, but no one has been able to speak from this perspective on so many different aspects of robotics. So really enjoy the conversation. want to thank you for coming.
1: Thanks for having me, Amber. This was a great conversation.
0: Sanjeev, can you let our listeners know where can they find more information if they are interested in learning more?
1: Easiest way to find out more about us and our products is go to hologard.com. It's H-E-L-L-O-G-A-R-D.com. There's links in there where you can reach us directly. They can also DM me directly, you know, depending on what they want. I'll point them in the right direction.
0: Thank you so much. And listeners, you can find all of our episodes at RaisingTechPodcast.com. You can find us on social media at RaisingTechPodcast. And if you'd like to submit feedback on this episode or future ideas for an episode, please reach out to us on any of those platforms. And as always, thank you for listening.